Welcome to the Green Edge podcast with Michael Cross and me, Fraser Harper. This is our weekly update for the week ending 26th of August 2022. Well, we've had some interesting conversations this week, starting with Jane Dawson and Andrew Eldred of the Electrical Contractors Association. Now, Jane had contacted The Green Edge a couple of weeks ago to tell us about a series of podcasts, interviews, media articles, and other online resources that ECA will be launching in September. It's called Leading the Charge. And we talked to Jane and Andrew about that and a few other things, didn't we, Michael? We certainly did. And I think one of the big messages that came across, and it's partly related to their program or campaign, is the pivotal role of that electrical skill set in the electrification of our economy or the decarbonization of our economy and that runs across the whole nature of retrofitted homes the whole issue of electrical vehicle charging etc etc and then the maintenance that infrastructure and we focus particularly on london where in london alone for the retrofit we need a workforce of at least 33,000 people per year for the next 10 years. That will go down as we get to 2050. And this is based on detailed work done for the GLA in London. And that was an issue they certainly picked up on because of the shortages and the difficulty of creating this specific and strategic skill set amongst a series of very dispersed employers, and in some cases working through three third-party suppliers of skills. And here is what Andrew Eldred of the ECA said about the situation in London. I would say London's got really serious problems. If you look at levels of apprenticeship training in London, it's the worst performing part of the UK. Many, if not most, of the people who supposedly are being trained in electrical installation in London are actually doing that as full-time college students. As a consequence, they come out of that not actually being recognised as competent as far as the industry is concerned, because all they've got is a technical diploma. They've probably done a little bit of work in the workshop. There isn't the links with employers that is actually required to get people to be properly qualified and competent. And so I think one of the major issues we've got, London is particularly bad, but it is an issue elsewhere, also to a certain extent in Wales and Northern Ireland, less so in Scotland is we've got very large numbers of people being sold the idea that going to college for a couple of years is going to give you a ticket to becoming an electrician. The last time it was measured, and it was measured in 2019, in England, there were 16,000 people on those classroom-only based courses. Now, assuming those are one-year and two-year courses, you rapidly come to the conclusion there are more people being recruited onto those courses every year than the five or 6,000 recruited onto apprenticeships. And very few of those 16,000 are going to find their way ultimately into legitimate skilled employment. I think many of them, chances are, will either go into something below that and maybe work their way up eventually, or, or and this is the slightly worrying thing, they have their knowledge-based diploma, uh, and they go out and get a white van, and and they start trading. And that is a particularly acute acute problem in London because of the lack of apprenticeships. And that is related to the nature of the London market, where you have, for example, very, very low levels of direct employment. Uh, There's a heavy reliance in the, certainly in the sort of commercial sector in London, on agency workers, so-called self-employed, 
And a lot of contractors in London operate a very pared down employment model. And of course, if you don't employ people, you don't train people. And that's the problem that London has got. A number of subscribers to the Green Edge from around the country are from Chambers of Commerce. And Chambers of Commerce have a pretty interesting role to play in the drive for net zero. This is something you've been looking at, Michael. Yes, there are 53 accredited Chambers of Commerce across the UK, and they've got over 80,000 members. They employ 6 million people. And these are predominantly small businesses, but not totally small businesses. And the Chamber has a change agent role in stimulating those small businesses both to for their own net zero plans and transition arrangements, but also in stimulating the economic opportunities that exist for those small businesses in delivering the green agenda. And that will be a whole raft of issues around the domestic uh, supply of houses in terms of the retrofit agenda, which is spread literally across the whole of the UK, through to some of those large, sophisticated projects like the big hydrogen projects in Portsmouth in the Merseyside or the big size will be operations up in the East Anglia. Now, in one of our previous podcasts, we reported on an upcoming event on the 5th of October, which will be jointly hosted by the Hampshire Chamber of Commerce and the University of Winchester. It's called Build Your Purpose, Build Your Business. And the event will mark the launch of a peer network of SMEs and micro businesses around Hampshire who want to understand the opportunities that clean growth, good governance, natural capital and the setting of social goals might offer them. This week, we also talked with Ross McNally, who is Chief Exec and Executive Chair of Hampshire Chamber of Commerce. And we talked a little more with Ross about what the Chamber is doing to support businesses in these areas. Well, we've been operating a, a programme phase, as you know, uh, called Green Innovation Steering Group. And it's basically bringing together stakeholders, SMEs, all of those with an interest in advancing their ESG, their, uh, particularly their sustainability credentials. But we've noticed through, through the programme that the biggest issue has really been for SMEs. I mean, this isn't a surprise because Chambers of Commerce are very strong in representing SMEs, but there has been some gaps. And what we're trying to do is address those. Firstly, strategy. Most businesses, I think, are not placing sustainability at the heart of their strategy. But if they are, and some are developing that, then there's a skills issue around that as well, because who takes that forward? And often the entrepreneurial boss, the guy that started the business, has a desire but doesn't always have the wherewithal to make it work. So we've been looking to address that, and, and we're working with the uh, University of Winchester on the 5th of October, we've got an event where we want to bring together a couple of dozen SME businesses and really help them to drive forward their ambitions around this, but do it all in a way that works as a, as a sort of community of practice where the businesses are helping each other. This is, I think, in a broader context that the chamber is looking down the track towards helping stakeholders around around the county with regard to the development of green skills and uh, businesses are going to need more and more people coming through whether that's colleges universities or actually through development in the workplace 
with a set of green skills that is actually going to be able to help those businesses once they have those strategies in place. And the, the ultimate goal is to really try and get more and more SMEs, I, I call it in the foothills of their development for sustainability. They may go the whole way. They may go all to the, the great heights of B Corp and, and other accreditation programs, or they may just find those things that they really need to do that suit their business and their sector. But that will be an achievement for the Chamber of Commerce. That will be us achieving our goals and really placing in the business the kind of skills and the kind of strategies that will give it life and will take it forward. And finally, we also had an interesting conversation this week with a chap called Kevin Holland. Now, Kevin is an ex-London policeman who for the last 20 years or so has been running a company up in Norfolk called The Solar Shed. Michael, how did you get in touch with Kevin? We met on Twitter. I was looking for an example of a small business that did more than just solar. I know his business is called Solar Shed, but he's really into total energy systems for a house. And therefore, he'll look at the total demand that you want to place upon your energy requirements and tailor something that's appropriate, solar panels being one of them. And Kevin took us through all aspects of that and the skills required the teams he's got in place to physically do this, how they acquire extra specialisms for batteries and the like. And if you have time, please look up the Solar Shed and listen to Kevin. He's speaking at the NEC in middle of October on this topic, and he's both entertaining, hugely informative. Uh, it is like uh, listening to Martin Lewis, but about energy systems for your home. So if you're like Martin Lewis on your saving cash, I see Kevin as the equivalent for energy. Kevin certainly is a force of nature. There are any number of pearls of wisdom from him that we could have put in this podcast. But here's Kevin on today's economics of fitting a home solar power system. I like to keep it nice and simple, like with solar. So I'm going to talk round figures. Yeah. So let, let's say somebody has got um, 5,000 kilowatt hours a year that they're using. Right. 5,000 kilowatt hours. I stick that in the calculator. If they're paying 30 pence a kilowatt hour at the moment, that's 1,500 quid a year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 1,500 quid a year. If that goes up by the 78% in October, plus the 15% in January, there's 3,000. That's doubling it. Mm. Yep. So let's look at 3,000 pound a year, which is what most people are going to have. That's just on electricity. Now, remember, the easiest thing to think about solar is this. <clears throat> a solar system is just an energy source. Everything else in the house is just an appliance. Doesn't matter if it's in a car, an aircon unit, mm. electric radiator, it's just an appliance, yeah? And you've got to separate the two. You've got a, a power supply that generates electricity during the hours of daylight. Most people aren't going to use all the energy they generate, but for round about six grand, you can generate about 4,000 kilowatt hours mm. south of Sheffield, facing south. Yeah, a little bit more money, maybe generate a little bit less further north. Mm -hmm. um, 
you go and add so about six grand you go and add another six grand and get a bloody great big battery you're now spending 12 grand and and you might save under 90 percent of the electricity that you generate mm. so all of a sudden you've got maybe 3700 kilowatt hours mm. so if you've got 3700 kilowatt hours and maybe you're going to be paying 51 pence or 60 pence a kilowatt hour by then you're looking at 2200 pound savings mm. for 12 grand investment now if you can take 12 grand down to the bank or the building society or your local venture capitalist who's sitting up in costa coffee because he's been he's been sitting on his ass since the office closed down three years ago and he's now sitting in the ice street with his Go and give him your 12 grand and say, I want 2,200 pounds, which is increasing in line with fuel inflation for the next 30 years. Mm-hmm. He's going to tell you to piss off. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, is yeah. the bank manager. Yeah, it's cheap. It's cheaper than a, a decent second hand car. Yeah. It, it's che- I have people say, look, I can't go on a cruise this year because Mr. COVID said we can't. So I'll have a solar system. I says, how much would you normally spend on a cruise? And they were spending, you know, 10 to 15 grand on solar systems without blinking. So the money's there. Now we're coming to the end of August. So, Michael, you're closing off your reports list for this month. And that will go into the reports roundup at the beginning of September. There's been quite a crop this month, hasn't there? There certainly are. I think it runs to about seven or eight pages of A4. So it'll look obviously a bit different when we post on Substack, but there's a lot going on and there's a lot of very useful material around to dive into. And we'll be editing that list down a little bit before that goes out as a post at the beginning of September. So a little pause for the bank holiday and then we'll hit the ground running in September and we've got a few things to write about. We'll be writing about uh, what we mentioned earlier on the Electrical Contractors Association uh, and other things as well. What have you got lined up? We've got one we're going to be doing on the role of small firms and net zero, the delivery side. Obviously, the ECA has got a major role in that piece. We are planning a piece on major corporates and net zero focusing on Drax, Shell and BP. And we have a conversation later today, which was part of an overall piece on brown to green, where we're looking at the um, energy intensive businesses that are making the transition to net zero, but also being squeezed very hard by what is physically happening now in the energy markets. And we're talking to their director later today. Our next full post will be on Thursday, the 1st of September. Yes, looking forward to that. Thank you for listening to this Green Edge podcast. This podcast series accompanies the Green Edge newsletter to which you can subscribe at greenedge.substack.com. The Green Edge is produced by Blue Mirror Insights.